This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is useful. Welcome to another episode of the Equity Mates Summer Series, proudly brought to you by Superhero. Over 12 episodes, we're diving into some of the most exciting, interesting, and well known companies from both here in Australia and over in the US. In some instances, we'll be hearing directly from the CEOs to give you firsthand insight into their companies. My name is Bryce, and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you going? I'm very good, Bryce. Great to be talking about one of Australia's oldest companies, mm. a company that people probably don't pay a lot of uh, attention to, mm-hmm. but one that's that's pretty fascinating. So excited to get stuck into it today. That's it, Ren. We're talking about Perpetual, uh, one of the largest fund managers here in Australia, Perpetual Limited. The ASX ticker is PPT. You can find it uh, over on Superhero app and platform. And a reminder, the summer series is brought to you by Superhero who allow you to buy Aussie and US shares and ETFs with no monthly account fees and you can now earn Qantas points with Superhero. Visit superhero.com.au slash Qantas to learn more. Eligibility criteria, terms and conditions and fees and charges apply. A reminder as well that you can win a 1000 bucks off the back of this episode to go into your Superhero wallet. All you need to do is listen to this episode, pull out some of your favourite facts about Perpetual and drop it in the comments section on our Instagram post about Perpetual. And uh, then Ren and I will choose a lucky winner to uh, to win that 1000 bucks, and you can start your investing journey all thanks to Superhero. So before we get stuck in, this is one of those episodes where we are fortunate enough to be hearing directly from the CEO. Uh, so the second half of this interview, we're going to be hearing from Rob Adams, all about uh, his thoughts on perpetual fund management industry and uh, all things for the future as well as, um, yeah, everything that's going on in the funds management space. Yeah, let's start at the top. And I think we wanted to start here by helping everyone conceptualise the industry because if you get straight into the the company Hope. itself, it can some it can sometimes get a bit messy into how this industry works. And us as retail investors, you know, we kind of look at these big financial institutions and sometimes they can sort of blur together and it cannot quite make sense who's who's who in the zoo. And that's because a lot of the zoo isn't meant for us. So yeah. we're a tiny part of the yeah, zoo. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're, we're like the little birds that 
are lucky enough to be floating around we're, in the... We're like flies in the zoo. <laughs> like they don't make specific cages for flies. They sort of are just buzzing around everywhere. Yeah. Not really... Pay, people aren't impact. really paying any mind. Sometimes you get swatted away or brushed <laughs> away. Sometimes you land on the elephant and you sit there for a while. But no one comes to the zoo to see the flies. <laughs> <laughs> no. No one comes to the zoo to see the flies. No one feeds the flies. No one feeds the flies. <laughs> no one feeds and sometimes um, <laughs> some of the flies make a podcast to talk to other flies <laughs> and uh, are able to quit their job and, and do the, it full time. Yeah, and hopefully but they're the, still flies. Yeah, still flies. <laughs> and hopefully one day uh, the big lions and the elephants will pay attention to the flies. Well, hopefully one day the flies can band together <laughs> in like a Power become, Rangers style thing ball. where they, you know, they make it or like Voltron where they turn <laughs> into a thing and then they get their own cage. But until then... <laughs> They're just flies. So that's how we conceptualise the industry. So we got 20 minutes to hit Perpetual before we speak to Rob and we've spent two minutes talking about zoos. Um, no, but when we conceptualise the industry, there are these big pockets of money out there. The sovereign wealth funds, the endowments, the family offices, the big pension funds, so superannuation in Australia, billions, hundreds of billions, trillions of assets under management sitting out there in the world that need to find a home and are looking for a return. And so there are thousands in Australia alone of fund managers uh, looking to manage that money, probably tens of thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands around the world who who are basically marketing themselves to these big pockets of money and saying, look at us, we'll manage your money, we've got this strategy, we'll get you a particular return. And so you think about some of the big names in the fund management space. You know, Platinum uh, has 25 billion assets under management. Magellan has 100 billion. Perpetual, who we're talking about today, has 100 billion. Uh, Janice Henderson, 420 billion, half a trillion. And then even like the Vanguard, 7 trillion, or BlackRock, 9.5 trillion. These big asset managers, these big fund managers get that money from their customer, their who they're trying to service, which are the the big pockets of money, the sovereign wealth funds, the family offices, the endowments, the pension funds, the superannuation funds. So that's how the industry works, basically. All these fund managers set themselves up to try and attract that money. Mm. And there are a number of different sort of options offered to these big pockets of monies in terms of how the money is invested. So you have the venture capital funds, the... Andreessen Horowitz's, the Sequoias, the Blackbirds, the Air Trees, they're all fund managers in a sense. Mm-hmm. And they're all saying, hey, big pockets of money, we have a venture capital strategy, allocate your money with us and we'll invest it in venture style investing. Mm-hmm. Then there's private equity, Blackstone, KKR, Carlyle, same thing. They're marketing themselves to these big pockets of money saying, hey, allocate it over here. Then there's indexing and passive strategies, Vanguard, BlackRock, State Street, same thing. They're like, send it our way. We'll, we've got the lowest cost indexes that we can manage for you. Property, you know, there's Dexas and other property managers. There's bonds. There's fund managers like PIMCO. The list goes on and on and on. There's all these different strategies. Where perpetual play is the same place that the Platinums and the Magellans play in Australia, which is a public equities strategy. You know, sometimes there's other strategies as well, but mainly here we're talking public equities. They're saying to the pension funds, the sovereign wealth funds, the family offices, the endowments, send your billions of dollars over here and we'll manage it 
in our funds on your behalf. Yeah. So that's how we can conceptualize the industry. So, we're, And we're going to spend the next 15 minutes or so uh, unpacking where Perpetual sits within that broader landscape. So Perpetual, ticker PPT, if you want to follow along, check it out. It is one of Australia's oldest uh, companies and one of Australia's largest wealth managers. Started uh, back in 1986 after a committee of businessmen and professionals, including future Prime Minister uh, Sir Edmund Barton, they gathered in Sydney for the purpose of forming a trustee company and Perpetual Trustee Company Limited was formed in 1886. And they've since grown to provide a number of different services in wealth management. They're obviously a leading provider in the trustee space, but they have four separate business divisions. The first is their perpetual asset management. So they're an active manager for all the funds that Ren's just spoken about. They're a perpetual asset management international. Um, so they have a you know, multi-boutique asset managers uh, all around the world, the U- United States, UK, Europe, Asia. They've made a number of acquisitions in that space. The third arm is perpetual private. So they have a dedicated um, team for family office. Really interesting space, the family office stuff. We should do more content around that. Um, and then the fourth is the corporate trust. So um, that's the the fourth leg of the business. So they're deep in wealth management. Yeah. I'm just laughing at you saying we should do more content on family offices. We often get called a tease when we profile companies that aren't listed True. because they're inaccessible. <laughs> Imagine trust. if we start, started doing a whole thing on family offices. <laughs> Just like you're never going to get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need billions of dollars of fam- intergenerational I, I, wealth. What I mean is just understand how they go about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, it is fascinating. And some of the best investors in the world sit in these family office teams yeah. and they are true long-term multi-generational investors. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but let's talk Perpetual. So Perpetual was predominantly domestically focused, Australian-focused equities. They uh, had about $28 billion in assets under management, but they really transformed their business to being a diverse global fund manager and now they have a, about $100 billion in assets under management. Mm, mm. So not small. No. Not small at all. <laughs> you, you would take that. So before we get to the competitors in the space and how they're trying to take that $100 billion to $200 billion and beyond, let's just talk about how fund managers make money because this often can get confusing. But very simply, they invest uh, like other people's money and they take a management fee and a performance fee and that fee is their revenue. And yeah. then, then they have a whole bunch of costs in terms of running those funds and then, you know, they're generally quite profitable. Perpetual also, some of these other businesses would have other fees for services and stuff like that. But the the game in funds management is um, that management fee and the performance fee. And Magellan has obviously been smashed this year because uh, the perform- their performance fee dropped. Perpetual operates quite a similar model. It's it's, it's all about – so there's two ways that you make money then as a fund manager. You get more assets under management or you outperform the benchmark by more. Yeah. Yeah. And we hate fees. Here, we hate fees. Here at Equity Mates. So, um, we hate fees but we don't blindly go for no fees. No. We no, hate no, unnecessary no. There's fees. A, there's a place for fees. Yeah. Yes. So now that we understand the industry – what perpetual offer within the industry, 
and how they make money. Let's have a look at some of the competitors in the industry with a focus on here in Australia because Perpetual is domiciled here in Australia. So the funds management uh, industry in Australia, and this is according to a ASIC and Deloitte report, there are more than 3,700 funds on offer. Huge amount. And I mean, Ren, we've we've seen even just a small percentage of that through the equity builder that we're, we're looking at mm. and through just online that there are so many options, so much overlap. It seems like everyone's providing the same Australian mid cap, Australian large cap. Like it's just everyone out there. And to me, it's just a marketing game who can, well, obviously performance is important as well, but you know, you've just got to market yourselves to these big funds. Um, yeah. To get the money. And and it feels like there's there's not really any switching costs. I mean, some do have like break fees and exit fees or they lock your money in and stuff like that for a certain period of time. There may not be switching costs, but it's there's a lot of friction. Like once you're with a fund manager and you're just, you know, dollar cost averaging in or there's money there and you're not thinking about it, you don't really move because there's a lot of paperwork to fill out and stuff like that. So it's like once you get this money, once you get someone's stream of super or whatever – it's pretty sticky. Mm. Uh, and so you're right. It's a marketing game. It's about getting them at the start, mm. which then makes me think, why are funds so boringly titled? I know. I know. Yeah. I know and why are they? Yeah. Anyway, there's a whole nother business in helping. The, the ETF providers like beta shares and ETF securities are doing oh, a, a, sort of a, a like clue to that. But active management, like, there's probably of there. the of the three thousand seven hundred funds on offer in Australia, at least a thousand would be like Australian large cap equities fund. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Australian fund management industry uh, has two point five trillion dollars in assets under management as of March two thousand and twenty one, and to put that in perspective, that is seven percent larger than the entire domestic equity market. Mm. It's, a, it's an enormous amount of money. It's the fifth largest funds uh, managed funds industry in the world uh, and there are more than 300 competitors in this space. So 3,500 funds, 300 competitors, Perpetual is playing in a space that is hotly contested. But uh, 300 competitors, Ren, however, the 10 largest fund managers hold more than 50% of those funds. So huge, huge concentration towards the top end and then everyone else is competing for the for the scraps. Yeah. There's a power law in a lot of parts of life. Uh, there's a power law in podcasting. There's definitely a power law in funds management and basically what that means is that more of the share of new and like new customers or new funds or new listeners or whatever it is goes to the top Mm. and that's because they're the names that people are comfortable with the magellans the macquaries the platinums the you know those big names that have a brand associated with them who probably have managed money for your parents and your friends and your superannuation they just are in the front of mind yeah yeah absolutely luckily perpetual well if you're a shareholder perpetual they're certainly up there now we spoke about being the flies at the top of the show and the retail share of investment uh shows that retail investors account for only five percent of the total market for funds management so we're a little little part of the funds management market five percent's actually okay i would part of me thought it would be less because if you say superannuation does superannuation count that that's institutional. I don't think so, yeah. so it's really just money that we're putting in on top 
of super. Yeah, but I, I wonder if you were to map out the definition of a retail investor, there's probably some high net worths in there that make up a lot of the 5%. Well, aren't, don't they become sophisticated investors at some point? Or do sophisticated investors, they're still retail? I think if you're just going through, I don't know. I don't know. We should we should clarify that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I think you're right. So there's there's sophisticated is for certain things, but it's re, they're still retail. Yeah. And then it's retail and institutional. Yeah, yeah, okay, that makes sense. So like Chris Hemsworth... Buying BlackRock index funds is, yeah. Uh, yeah, is still using superhero to, to do it. Um, yeah, he's still retail. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Now, uh, an interesting fact BlackRock owned 12.5% as of 2009 of Perpetual. So, um, got 2019. 19, got their fingers in uh, many pies. But look, Big industry, many players concentrated towards the top end with the with the top ten sort of largest players, uh, and plenty of money swashing around from uh, these big endowments and institutions. Yeah, I think the other thing to note though is while it's concentrated, it doesn't always stay stable at the top. Um, the top ten fund managers by assets under management in Australia from nineteen ninety nine to twenty nineteen. And some of the names do change. Mm, mm. Like, for example, AMP was number one in 2004. It was number 10 in 2019. Vanguard wasn't even in the top 10 in 1999. Yeah. And now it's number two. Number two. Vanguard wasn't even in the top 10 in 2009. True. Big push. Well, 2009 and then ETFs from, I feel, from around there really Hold on, hold to, on. Vanguard wasn't even in the top 10 in two, 2014. What the? So Vanguard shot up. <laughs> Vanguard's first listing on this <laughs> ranking true. is in 2019. There you go. Well, this is from the ASIC report. We'll include it in, a, in our write-up uh, on this uh, on Perpetual and include it uh, on our website. So if you want to have a look at what we're talking about, um, head across to our website. But, yeah, I think the key takeaway, Ren, is... Uh, the top 10 don't stay the top 10 forever. You know who's been in the top 10 every one of these five-year intervals? Macquarie. Macquarie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Kings and queens. <laughs> All right. So, look, that's the funds management industry. There's a lot of competitors, but there's a real distribution. Um, the the big end, the top 10 have 50% of the funds and there's constantly more funds flowing into the sector because of like superannuation and and the like and so perpetuals game is to attract as many of those funds as possible so they can maximize their management fee and then build the best team possible to outperform their benchmarks so they can collect the biggest performance fee possible funds management and it, it is not the most complex business but constantly there's a war for talent because they're all trying to poach the best investors. All of these big names are trying to get the best and there's a war for dollars because investors can switch their money at any time. Mm. Well, most generally they can switch their money at any time. Mm. So that's the game. That's the game. Let's have a look at their financials. So market cap of just over $2 billion. Uh, compound annual growth uh, rate for revenue is uh, 5% from 2016 th- through to 2021. Uh, 2021, they made revenue of about 652 million. They are profitable. They made a profit of just shy of 75 million in 2021. However, that is almost down 50% from their profit in 2016 of 132 million. 
look with potentially uh, underperformance or, uh, you know, given how hot the market's been and the benchmarks that they're having to compete against, uh, it could be from underperformance, it could be from uh, margin squeeze. Uh, there are a number of factors that could lead to a fall in revenue, uh, a fall in profitability, um, but it is a profitable company. It's, you know, like if you'd bought it pre-JFC, you're still down, I think is the thing to know, and you're still down a fair bit. It's probably would have paid you a fair bit of dividend in that time. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of what the industry is. It's a really interesting industry, the dynamics uh, between all the competitors and um, these huge amounts of money trying to find a home. And I think what I really enjoy about this industry, Ren, is the changing nature between, you know, venture capital, private equity, index, yeah. like that's the interesting part and how over time all of that is changing and, and we're doing our best to kind of keep up with it. So I think that's a really important thing to note that uh, okay. it is constantly changing. In about 1980 to about 2000 or the mid-90s, it was the era of the hedge fund mm. and the hedge fund manager just had they they create they just minted billionaires you know the Ray Dalios and and so many of them, and then hedge funds have underperformed. Uh, you know like Ackman and who's the guy that got sent short shorts by Ironhorn? Like yeah. they've really struggled, sort of in the two thousands. But venture capital had a real moment, and because of that, you know endowments and endowments and superannuation and pension and all of that allocated more money from hedge funds to venture capital and the Andreessen Horowitzes and the Sequoias of the world. Indexing has also then had a moment um, and, you know, these big pools of money are allocating more towards indexes and again away from hedge funds, away from active management. And then recently in the 2010s, private equity has had a real moment. And so again, money, these big, these big money pools are then reallocating and putting more towards private equity and maybe pulling some out of venture capital or some out of index or some out of hedge funds. So basically, if you're thinking about the shifting winds of, I guess, where returns are coming from, that then changes how these big pools of money construct their portfolio and what percentage of their money they, they put to different strategies. And then that then affects which of these fund managers are seeing inflows and outflows. Yeah, yeah. fascinating. One thing I also want to mention about the future of Perpetual is they, like everyone else, are starting to hear the flies buzzing around <laughs> and they're trying to go harder into a direct-to-retail strategy and they, like so many other fund managers in Australia, Don't are embracing... No. <laughs> <laughs> what I was going to say is are embracing the idea of an active ETF. Classic. Yeah. yeah. I think 2022 is going to be more we've we've seen it this year. We've seen the we've seen Magellan, we've seen Fidelity. We've seen heaps we've Templeton, seen Templeton, like there's we've there's seen, so um, many Hyperion. Yeah. yeah. Um there's been some of the big names and I only and I think that next year it's just going to be a flood yeah. of these of these guys bringing active ETFs to the market. It's great to see. It gives us uh, as retail investors more access to the market, more access to their funds. But you've got to keep in mind it is still active management uh, at the end of the day. It's not the same as index tracking. So the, keep that in mind. The big concern for me, and it's the same with index funds, is these funds are set up to be long-term vehicles. You know, five, seven, ten-year performance is what matters. And just having them listed every day and having to report uh, AUM every day is 
it's just going to be an interesting thing to watch. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, uh, before we jump into our interview with Rob Adams, who is the CEO and Managing Director of Perpetual, to get his thoughts on um, his business and all things funds management, we're just going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors and then we're going to jump right into it. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Rob Adams is the CEO and Managing Director of Perpetual. And prior to being appointed CEO of Perpetual in 2018, Rob built a successful career in finance in Europe and Australia, spanning colonial first state, first state investments, challenge financial and Yanis Henderson. So Rob, welcome, uh, welcome to Equity Mates. Thanks, guys. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me along. Now, we're really looking forward to this one because the funds management industry is not one that we've done a deep dive on before. And having you as one of the uh, CEO of one of the largest fund managers here in Australia, there's a lot to unpack. But as we start all of these interviews, we love to hear about the company from the mouth of the CEO. So how would you describe Perpetual? Yeah, sure. It's a good starting point. Um, yeah, Perpetual has been looking after people's money in one shape or form for 136 years, uh, which in an Aussie context is a pretty long period of time. Mm. Way back then, we started out life as a trustee company where basically our role was to, to protect people's assets, particularly when they were away. Today, 136 years later, you know, we, we are what um, in the market people would describe as a diversified financial services company. And what does that mean? That means that we are looking after people's money like we have done for 136 years. And we just do it in different ways. So we still perform that trustee role, you know, protecting assets. We provide financial advice for people. We uh, also run a range of managed funds, um, both here in Australia and now uh, after some acquisitions over the last 18 months or so, uh, internationally as well. So our basic job is to look after people's money. As I said, we've been doing a long period of time and that really, that history is really important because it shows that the way that we look after people's money, the approach that we take to investing other people's capital works over time. Yeah, we've been through two world wars, we've been through uh, yeah, the Great Depression, we've been through the crash in 87, we've been through the tech tech wreck in 2000, we've been through the global financial crisis. So I think yeah, that long history uh, is important to us. And it's also meant that, there's, that we've built up a really good trust from our customers, our clients in what we do. So that's who we are. It is a fascinating story, 136 years old. You don't find too many companies in Australia with that kind of history. If we turn to the asset management 
industry, it can often be a confusing one for people who aren't in the industry and are sort of on the outside looking in. Uh, I know when I started investing, a lot of the names you, you get familiar with, but you don't really understand how the whole industry fits together. So can you help us conceptualize it? Where does Perpetual sit in the industry? Who are your key customers and who are your major competitors? Yeah, it's a really good question because yeah, uh, investing's hard. It's not something that people do naturally. Yeah, people tend to have other jobs outside of finance and financial services. And I think when you start to think about the world of finance, finance and investing, you know, your eyes spin. So, you know, it's it's important that we try and yeah, ensure that when we're talking to people about what we do, we can we, we can talk in a clear way so that it makes sense. So, you know, if you think think about the fact that around the world there are tens of thousands of companies. And it, across those tens of thousands of companies, most of them are listed on stock markets uh, where the, the equity or you know, the value of those companies is traded every day by buyers and sellers. The job of an asset management, management company or a fund management company is to use expertise that we have to analyse those thousands of companies and to put together a portfolio of sometimes it's as, as few as 20, typically around 70 or 80, of the very best companies that we know. And based on our analysis, you know, we think that company A is going to do better over the three next three, five, seven years than company B. And so te- we have teams of experts and that's who focus only on doing that, looking at those thousands of companies and trying to work out which ones are the best companies and investing you know, people's money uh, on their behalf through a fund structure to make it easy to try and extract a, a really good return for people over time. So we, so the, the role of asset management, the role of fund managers is to try and make that difficult concept of investing easier where we can explain really simply what our approach is to analysing companies we can, we can show you very regularly the companies that we've invested in on your behalf and we can show you what returns you gen- that we're generating through those investments. And it's really important to note that the way that Perpetual does it, like many other fund managers, is that we're an active fund manager. So unlike you know, a lot of investor, investors, and particularly in the last 10 years, have been investing in what's called index funds, which is just the mathematically driven solutions to try and match an indice, you know, like the Australian All Ordinaries Index. They just match the holdings of the index. Uh, they're not making a decision about the good, the bad, and the ugly. Whereas active fund managers like Perpetual, we know that in those indices, across all those companies, there's some good, good companies, there's some great companies, but there's also some really poor companies, and we want to avoid those. So we, we as an active fund manager, make an active decision to try and allocate people's money that they invest with us to those good companies. So that's the that's the basic principle of what we what we do. And generally, our customers are either individuals like. Yeah, you and me, like the people listening to this pod podcast, or they're big institutions like superannuation funds or pension funds in other parts of the world. But we basically take the same approach to managing people's money, whether they're individuals or whether they're big investors. So Rob, uh, we're recording this on the 29th of November, and I think it was only this morning that uh, Perpetual announced uh, the launch of an active ETF, the ASX ticker is GIVE. What's the strategy behind uh, active ETFs? We've seen so many, uh, well, we've seen an increase in the number of active ETFs coming to market of late. So can you talk us through Perpetual's plans here and and why uh, active ETFs are becoming more and more of a thing? 
Yeah, the basic principle around it is is that we're just wanting to make the whole process process of investing just a bit easier. You know, to invest in a traditional managed fund structure, there's an application process that can be fiddly, can be a bit cumbersome. Both investing and then, you know, if you decide you want to pull your money out, is um, yeah, you know, it's, it's a relatively straightforward process. But I think by today's you know digital definition, it is slightly clunky. So we want to give people choice about about the way that they can access investing into our investment capabilities. And by listing one of our you know, important funds on the ASX, we just made it that much easier. So people can just buy and sell units in a fund, which is exactly the same as the non-listed fund, uh, you know, um, as they see fit you know, through their broker, through, uh, you know, whether they have a ComSec account or whatever it might be. It's just an easier way for people to gain access. And, and you know, and as I said, that's both investing and when they decide to pull out their money. I think a second point too is, you know, by putting our funds on the ASX, and this will be the first, I think, of many for Perpetual, you know, we're, we're just, uh, we're potentially opening up a new audience of investors because quite a few investors Investors haven't used managed funds before. Uh, you know, they tend to just rely on you know, investing directly into companies via the stock exchange. And if that's what they choose to do, you know, then they now can can make an easy decision to access you know, some of Perpetual's investment capabilities uh, in the same way they would invest in any company. Um, so yeah, as as I mentioned, this is the first of of, of many. You know, this particular fund is a fund that's been in operations for, for it's in its twentieth year. Uh, it invests in Aussie equities um, with a an ethical overlay. Yeah, we're we're running uh, a version of ESG, you know, focused on environmental, social, and governance factors in this fund. We've been doing, running it for 20 years. It's been a good performer, uh, and we know that particularly these days, you know, um, having a strong focus on ESG factors is really important. So I guess it's it's those combination of factors that lead us to to kick off today with um, the ASX ticker fund give. And, um, yeah, we, we expect to launch a second one pretty soon in the next week or so. Um, and then 2022 and beyond, we expect to do to launch further funds on the ASX. Yeah, it is a, it's an ex- exciting trend that we're watching in the Australian funds management space. More and more uh, previously private funds are becoming listed products. And I think mm. at last count, there's about 250 ETFs uh, in Australia at the moment. But, you know, even if we zoom out and look at the fund management industry as a whole, there's, uh, according to ASIC, almost 4,000 funds managed by different companies in Australia. That's a lot of choice available for Australian investors. Mm -hmm. How do you think about uh, Perpetual's competitive advantage? What's Perpetual's edge over all of the other options that we as Australian investors have. You're right. It, it's, it, it is a super competitive landscape. And I think in terms of listed funds, uh, you know, exchange-traded funds or e- ETFs, the first big wave was in, as I previously previously described, passive funds that just match an index. More, more recently, we've seen uh, managers like Perpetual and some of our you know, high-quality competitors you know, launching um, active ETMFs. So the, these are funds that, as I said, they mirror that active investment style that I described earlier. You know, cut through, I think cut through probably comes in a couple of ways. You know, for us, it's that it is the strength of our brand and history. Having said that, you know, I'm very cognizant that particularly young, younger, the younger demographic 
you know, many people might not have heard of Perpetual. So, yeah, we need to make sure that we, uh, not assuming that people know who Perpetual is, not assuming they know our 136-year history, most importantly, not assuming that they, they know our investment performance history, which is ultimately the most important thing. People are coming to us because they, you know, we, we would hope they have an expectation that we're going to deliver strong investment returns for them over time. So we've got a job to do to ensure that the profile of the company, you know, how we operate, that long history, our strong performance history are all things that are well known. So we're supporting the launch of this product with uh, an advertising campaign, which has has a super heavy digital focus. We're starting to to really use social media more and more as a firm uh, because you know, we know the way that, that young younger people commu- communicate. I've got four kids aged between 18 and 25 and they're helping to advise me on you know, how we can start to ensure that, that younger generations of Australians, you know, grow to understand you know, and trust the perpetual brand just like older generations have generation after generation, in fact. So it's one thing to launch the, the fund on the ASX, but then we've got to give it a profile around that in order to cut through so people can understand that history both from a, a company history perspective and an investment performance history perspective. So Rob, with such a large range of funds and you know 100 billion assets under management, there's no doubt that you're going to have a, a pretty good view on um, the changing nature of funds management and you've sort of discussed there um, you know, speaking to the younger generation a little bit more. So what other sort of customer preferences um, are you seeing change and and are there any sort of particular growth areas within the industry that are really starting to come through? I think the big one, which yeah, I would describe as being a global mega trend that will be perpetual, that's small p perpetual, <laughs> is the trend, as I touched on earlier, towards uh, investing for good, investing focused on environmental, social and governance factors, ESG investing. There's been yeah, thoughts about thoughts of different versions of ESG investing in and around markets for yeah, at least 20 years um, where yeah, there's been some green filtering. To be frank, there's been green washing. Fund managers, some fund managers have said that they're investing with 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 an approach of um, yeah trying to do good, but not not really doing that. Uh, and I think yeah, investors are smart, right? You know, you know, people know what's happening with climate change. People see the impact of yeah on communities or the way you know, the way social media operates, and people have seen what bad governance looks like, and they don't want it. And yeah, and I think this confluence of events has meant that yeah, ESG investing, investing for good, is uh, actually just going to be table stakes, right? You know, I think um, if people are allocating their capital, you know, to make an investment decision, they want to know where that capital's going. They want to know that they're investing in companies that are doing positive things for the environment, that are doing positive things in a social and community sense. And that you know, people are playing by the rules from a governance perspective. So you know, I reckon that's the number one trend. And to be frank, I think it's it's probably daylight second. Um, and yeah, I reckon there'll be a time in the future, probably not too far away, when every fund manager on the planet will be having to demonstrate really, really clearly how they're allocating capital and how their investment decisions are doing good in each of those three categories. And I guess reflecting that, you know, we I mentioned earlier that we had a couple of acquisitions, um, offshore acquisitions uh, last year. Yeah, Perpetual up until the last couple of years has been very much an Aussie-centric business. But last year, we, we acquired two firms in the, in the US. One of them was a company called Trillium Asset Management. 
and Trillium Asset Management has been managing ESG, fully integrating ESG principles into the way they run money for 40 years. Um, They're they're regarded by many as the founders of of ESG investing in the US. So so Perpetual now owns Trillium and we're just privileged to have them as part of the framework of our firm because they really set the bar super high in terms of investing for good. Importantly, at the same time, you, you know, demonstrating through their investment performance that you can invest for good and you can extract at the same time a superior return. There's been plenty of people in the past who have said, yeah, yeah, investing for good's one thing, but how much am I going to have to sacrifice my returns? If you run money in the right way, as Trillium have proven over 40 years, you can do both. You can save the world and you can make money doing it. Rob, I'm glad you you mentioned sustainability because we've been asking every CEO that we've uh, spoken to for this summer series about sustainability. Uh, It's definitely uh, the biggest focus uh, in the Equitymates community. Well, maybe equal first with cryptocurrency, but um, it's definitely front of mind for retail investors. And You've spoken about the role that fund managers uh, have to play in driving sustainability. I'd love to unpack that a little bit more and maybe touch on uh, some of the key learnings that you've taken from Trillium. Um, is there anything that since that acquisition um, or in you know in researching the industry to make that acquisition, you've uh, learned about sustainable investing that you think the broader funds management industry and you know any listeners to this podcast should be aware of any things anything we should be looking out for to i guess separate the green wash from the um from the truly green funds yeah what what have you learned about that part of the market from from this acquisition and that research yeah we've now owned trillion for about 15 months that's still pretty fresh for us but yeah, we certainly learned a bit i'd say actually we learned a bit before we actually finalized the transaction because you know when you're doing an acquisition you, know, you as the acquirer do your own due diligence on the target firm. But then you know, we would always want the target firm to do their due diligence on us. You know, what's Perpetual going to be like as a new owner of our company? Yeah, they were independently owned for 40 years, and so that's a big, big issue for them. So the reverse due diligence that they did on Perpetual was really interesting. So you know, it was pre-COVID, just pre, pre-COVID, and the team of people from Trillium came, came down to Sydney, spent time in our head office in Sydney. And really put us through the ringer as a corporate <laughs> to the point where I, I distinctly remember a time when you know, the chief operating officer of, of Trillium um, was late to a meeting. And when she finally turned up, I, she, she said, sorry, I've just been checking a few things out. I said, what do you, what do you mean? She was in our kitchen checking to see if we had plastic straws. No way. <laughs> yeah. Did you have and, plastic and, straws? <laughs> Thank God we didn't, no. <laughs> that was pretty revealing, right, because it just shows how seriously Trillium take it. You yeah. know, they were they were ducking and diving mm. in and out of our offices, you know, questioning different people about you know, our approach to, you know, to all sorts of things. And that just showed you know, how deep their approach is in, in terms of analysing whether companies are you know, really trying to you know, do, do the right thing in a bunch of different ways. Um, so that was one thing. The second thing I would say is that, 
one thing that sets Trulium apart from many of the Johnny-come-lately competitors, for 40 years, Trulium have, have had what's called an advocacy unit, so a team of people working in the business who all they do is work on positive advocacy with listed companies. And sometimes they do that when they are an owner of the stock of a company, and sometimes they'll just do it because it's a really important purpose, and so it won't actually have anything directly to do with the funds. But this advocacy unit will work with company with the management of a company to try and to, to try and highlight where they need to improve in either E, S or G and to help them establish a plan to improve in ESG. And a really, really good sort of almost non-investment related story was was um, when they, after 10 years of effort, finally convinced uh, the, for, the uh, football team, you know, US gridiron team, formerly known as the Washington Redskins, to drop Redskins in their title. That happened, happened about a year ago. Um, because of the yeah, the negative implications, the use of that word. So now it's known as the Washington football team. Mm. That was 10 years of advocacy, 10 years of talking to to sponsors of the of the company, 10 years of social activity to try and enact a positive change. And it's that sort of work that this advocacy unit does to try and enact positive change in terms of the way companies operate. So that's been a big learning, the importance of advocacy, particularly when you're a shareholder on behalf of your investors, yeah, realising what a privilege it is to to be managing money on behalf of people, but utilising that privilege to ensure that companies behave in a more responsible way. And you know, now that we you know, we as a firm have you know, a sizable amount of assets that we manage on behalf of retail and institutional investors, there's power in that weight of money, right? That's really the purpose that drives Trillium, and and that was the reason they came to Perpetual because they saw us as a really good partner to help them grow their assets under management because the more money they can influence positively, the bigger the impact. Well, Rob, one of the, um, one of the I guess, most common things we hear from a, a expert uh, fund managers is the importance of understanding management when making an investment decision into a business. And that's part of the reason why we, we do these calls with CEOs is to give our community direct access. So I'm interested to understand how you think about leadership. You know, what are some of the key characteristics of leadership that are important to you? But also given that um, Perpetual, you know, have a team of, of fund managers managing people's money, what are some of the key characteristics you look for in these in these fund managers? From a personal perspective, um, in terms of things that, you know, I think about regularly from a leadership perspective, number one for me is leadership by example. You know, I think it's so important that leadership, you know, sets the tone in an organisation, um, it sets the pace, uh, sets the style, the shape, the form of things that people do. Um, it's something that you know I was taught at a young age, and something that's you know, you know certainly drives me as a, as a as a leader every day is just noting that leadership casts a big shadow, and you need to be really really cognizant of that shadow, and note that you you are setting the tone for the organisation and everything you do. The other thing that I constantly think about you know, as a business leader is yeah, treating other uh, other people, whether they be your people, you know, whether they be customers, pr- prospective customers, regulators, whoever it is, treating other people exactly as, as the way you, know, you would like, want to be treated yourself. Um, so standing in other people's shoes you know, as you're talking to them or as you're dealing with them. They're two sort of personal leadership things that you know, are in my mind pretty constantly. In terms of in terms of fund managers, um, are you meaning 
as we hire fund managers, what are we looking for? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, yeah. Just sort of what's that edge that you look for, you know, among all the other fund managers that could be. And, and I guess because as retail investors, when we put our money with fund managers, we are in a, in essence hiring them to manage our money. Absolutely. So, right. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Mm. yeah, no, it's a really good question. And actually my number one thing that I'll state is actually something that, yeah, similarly yeah, I would apply to general leadership too, to your first, the first part of the question. But in fund managers, what I want to see is passion. I want to see a real excitement for the the, the task that they do. It's, it's it's a terrific thing to be passionate about anything, right? It's you know, passion is a wonderful wonderful quality. But that's something that I always look for, whether we're looking at acquiring a business that has fund managers in it or whether we're hiring fund managers ourselves to manage people's money. So I've got to see that passion. It's got to be obvious. Secondly, you know, they've got to be able to talk in uh, every man's language, every person's language, you know, to be able to convert the complex into the simple, to demonstrate that they have the knowledge that's required to make informed, fully informed investment decisions, that they can translate it to you know, anybody who's not from an investment background in a way that's meaningful and, and can make sense. And then thirdly, I really want people to truly believe uh, that it is indeed a privilege to manage other people's money and to respect that privilege and to demonstrate that respect in their dealing with customers and clients. I love that. I love that you started with passion as well. I think Bryce and I really feel that some of the best uh, fund managers that we've spoken to, both in Australia and overseas, that that passion just radiates from them and they get so excited when they're talking about, you know, companies that they're investing in or just in investing in general. So I think, yeah, that, that's a great place to start. Well, you know, I would say as, as a, a, a personal investor myself, you know, whenever whenever I see that passion, I want to invest with people. You, know? yeah. you, you want to back them. And I, and I think generally, as I, I think about my 35 years in the industry, yeah, whenever I've seen that passion come through and then the combination of the other features I touched on, generally the, the individuals are exceptional fund managers and you know, they tend to deliver. Now, Rob, we have almost come to the end of our time and we normally like to uh, finish by asking the CEO if they think about their company in 10 years what would success look like? But given that Perpetual has been around for 136 years, <laughs> I think we, we might need to zoom out and extend the timeline a little bit um, because, you know, you're 136 years old but still constantly changing. Under your leadership in the last few years, Perpetual has gone from a, you know, $28 billion Australian-focused fund manager to a $100 billion globally-focused fund manager. And I imagine it's only going to keep changing with things like the the new active ETF that you've launched recently. So if you think about Perpetual in 10 years, 50 years and 100 years, uh, what would success look like? Well, yeah, yeah, one thing that I think about probably at least three or four times a day is is the word Perpetual. You know, Perpetual uh, was chosen as the company name by the founders of the company back in 1885 because, you know, they said that the company, given its trustee responsibilities, has to last into perpetuity. So I don't want to be the bloke that buggers that up, point one. <laughs> um, so that's that's certainly something that's in my mind. But yeah, I think I think um, the last few years have been exciting for, for Perpetual, as you, as you described. I, I just want us to continue that journey in, in a meaningful way, you know, where we are taking this, you know, 
what, what uh, I think in, in previous generations has been regarded as a pretty iconic Australian brand in financial services and globalising its impact. And I, and I use the word impact you know, very deliberately there, you know, touching on you know, ESG principles. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd love it at some point in time in the future if you know, people who comment on, on this sort of stuff would say, Perpetual is a truly global co- company that's thinking about the planet and making the right decisions on behalf of the planet and the people in it. And if you know, we, we uh, have climbed back into the ASX 100 from a market capitalization perspective, yeah, then if we're thinking 10 years, we're in the top 50. If we're thinking beyond that, yeah, we've grown to the point where we're amongst our, Australia's largest companies and one of our most successful export stories operating the way that I described. That would be, that, be kind of neat. Nice. Well, Rob, we have reached the end of uh, our time. So we thank you so much for sharing your time with us in the Equitymates community. As I said at the top, it's not often we deep dive on funds management industry, despite talking to plenty of fund managers over the last few years. So it's been really interesting to get your thoughts on on the industry and, and Perpetual's place within it um, going forward. So yeah, have a great uh, have a great Christmas, and uh, we look forward to catching up again at some time next year. Yeah, look forward to it, guys. Really appreciate your time this morning, and I hope that you guys have a safe and happy Christmas as well. Well, Ren, it was great to hear from Rob. Uh, always good to chat to CEOs to get their thoughts on on their business and industry. Uh, really enjoying chatting to to the CEOs as part of this summer series. A reminder that you can still win a thousand bucks off the back of this episode to go into a superhero wallet. All you need to do is uh, hit us up with one of your favorite facts about perpetual or the funds management industry on the corresponding post. Uh, for this episode on our Instagram page uh, at Equity Mates. Head on over and drop uh, in the comments section to this post what your favorite fact was and we'll uh, choose out a winner to win a thousand bucks. That's all you need to do. Uh, you can win $1,000 for every episode of the Summer Series if you're lucky enough. Uh, a reminder that Summer Series is brought to you by Superhero. A massive thanks to them. Superhero allow you to buy Aussie and US shares and ETFs with no monthly account fees and you can now earn Qantas points with Superhero. So make sure you go and visit superhero.com.au slash Qantas to learn more. Eligibility criteria, terms and conditions and fees and charges apply. And Ren, we're really pumped because next episode we are turning to one of Australia's greatest success stories and that is Atlassian known as the a boring software company by the New York Times yeah. uh, but there are plenty of reasons why it is not boring so stick around stay with us uh, as we continue the summer series and to dive into some of these amazing companies here in Australia and over in the US uh, it would have been great to hear from the CEOs of Atlassian but we're going to save that for next year <laughs> so Ren we'll pick it up next episode nice one Equity Mates Investing Podcast is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Equity Mates Investing Podcast are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Equitymates Investing Podcast acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. 
We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.